I come out and get a black t-shirt. Everybody got one but me. I had to dig one out. <laughs> Thank you. Did y'all have a good weekend? Did you miss me? Appreciate you lying to me. That's very nice of you. I've heard, I've heard some great things about you. You're probably all going to fall asleep during the next 30 minutes, right? I'm usually asleep myself while I'm up here, so I, we'll, we'll all be in the same condition. So, And for all of you who are adults that spent this weekend, our Ember weekend, did I get it right? Uh, thank you. I know it's, uh, it was a sacrifice, and I'm just, uh, I really appreciate your heart and, and your service. Thank you for being here. It's been a cool weekend because of that. Yesterday at our help group, and Chad, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we had around 450 families that we served yesterday. So many of you were there, and I'm telling you, without uh, I was upstairs doing clothes, and we were stepping all over each other. And we were, uh, If you've ever been up there and looked in that closet, you see a lot of stuff. We literally were running out of some sizes. It, it was crazy how, much, uh, how many clothes go through there, so... God's really blessed that all the way around, so thank you for your participation and your heart. If you need a copy of God's Word so Chad doesn't have to stand there the entire sermon, you can slip your hand up and Chad will be glad to give you one. I do want to mention to you just a, uh, a couple of things, or really one thing specifically. You're doing a great job. Huh? We're going to do John. I don't, actually, where I'm going to start in that, I, that was very wise on Paul's part. So... I do want to mention to you just one thing that's time sensitive. If you want your child or young adult to play baseball, t-ball, the young adults won't be playing t-ball, but if you want to play baseball, coach, pitch, t-ball, any from age 5 through 16, you need to get them signed up. And you, there are forms out there by my palatial office by the front door on the little table, or you can see me or John Everson, and uh, you can pass them on to us, or you contact either one of us. But if you want your child to play t-ball, coach pitch, baseball, uh, co-ed softball for the teenagers, uh, uh, if you want them to do that, you need to get the form and get them signed up so we can decide how many league or how many teams we're going to commit to to the league. So um, it is time sensitive. We need to get that done in the next two weeks. So if you plan on your child playing, either get, grab the form today on the way out and you can let me know or John. All right, speaking of John, you can turn to that book. I'll explain why in a moment. The Gospel of John. Just relax, I'm not going to teach uh, the entire Gospel of John. It only took me, uh, speaking of John, he's coming in the back door, so everybody will know who John is. You can't, so you can see me or John if you want your child to play baseball. It only took me, uh, I was in John chapter 12 when we started this campus 13 years ago, and I'd been in it for 20 years. Uh, that's pretty close to accurate, so... Uh, John is a very powerful book in many, many ways. You can, you can teach the entire Bible. You can start in John and teach the entire Bible. Uh, it, it's, it's an uh, amazing book. But we're going to start there today, but we're going to end up uh, some other places. So, look at the top of your handout. And on three, I want us to all read the title of today's message. I want you to say it out loud, all right? That would mean with, with a voice. One, two, three. Not the name of the series. All right, we'll do it this way. What's the name of the series? Who's your daddy? Now, what's the title of today's sermon? One, two, three. 
All right, why is this important? Why do we need to study who your daddy is? I have three children, and they are, are adults in their 30s and their 40s, and they're still studying who their daddy is, <laughs> trying to find out who is that nut that I call dad or, or father or whatever I call him, a uh, uh, place where I go to get money, whatever I call him. <laughs> who is my daddy? And I think I was sharing, with, again, someone this week who doesn't know me, and just a quick story, so just so you'll know. This is important, so pay close attention. I did a wedding Friday night. Many of you know B.G. Alstein, a sweet lady, been in our church forever, and her husband Bobby died several years ago, and the Lord has brought another widower into her life, and I did their wedding Friday night. It was a real honor to be part of that. B.G. just a dear, dear friend. So after the wedding, we had no rehearsal. We just showed up and just flew through. We just were making it up as we go. Peter was asking me because he was singing. He said, when am I supposed to sing? I said, man, I have no idea. He said, well, when do you stand up and do your... I said, I have no idea. And if you know BG, it had to be that way. So we get... Finally, she sends... I'm supposed to meet her at 5.30 to go over everything. The wedding was at 6.30. At 6.30, I've yet to see her. So finally, she sends, sends a guy out, sends a uh, young man comes to me. He said, BG said, we're going to start at 6.40. You tell Peter to sing at 6.40, and then you walk down the aisle, and she'll take it from there. I <laughs> basically so that's what we did so anyway we, so we stand up to do the wedding and I said welcome to our rehearsal so we get ready to do the rings and I said I knew they had rings I said all right who has the rings I said are there rings and BG says you have them and I said oh no I don't I said we're rehearsing I, I don't have the rings so someone else in this building has them or they're not here but Oh, anyway, we make it through the, the wedding, and it's just a, a beautiful, uh, she's a sweet lady, and, and her husband, Jerry, just a, a great guy. So we're just sitting down afterwards, sitting at the tables, me and Mary and, and Mary Cutts and Kevin Cutts, we're just sitting there, talking and listening to the music, and this lady comes up to me, total stranger, total stranger, never seen her in my life, and she goes, what church are you at? And she goes, I don't care where it is, I'm coming to it because you're funny. Did she say that, Mary? Mary Lockley, did she say that? I want everybody to turn to my wife and say, see, he is funny. Because I'm talking every time. Don't tell that joke again. That's stupid. You're not funny. Nobody wants to hear that. All I know is, total stranger, never seen her in my life, she's leaving her church. Simply because I'm funny. All right, just so we get that out of the way, I felt that the Lord wanted Mary to be guilty. So. All right, if I don't have humor, I got nothing. Good looks have passed me by. Hair left a long time ago. All I got left is personality and humor. All right, I want you to turn to John chapter 1. I'll share with you why in just a moment. John chapter 1. Why is it important for us as Christians to study who our daddy is? <clears throat> there are a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. If you'll notice at the top, as we talk about this series, Who's Your Daddy? Who's Your Daddy? We, the, our theme verse is, I'm the Lord. There is no other. There is no God besides me. If for no other reason, we should study who our God is because he's the only one who is God. And you've heard me say this many times over the years. Everybody you know, 
everybody you know and everybody you don't know. Like the lady Friday night at the wedding who said what? You're funny. Everybody you know and every human being you don't know believes something about God. Everybody has a belief system. Everybody has a philosophy of life. I don't care who they are. They may be an atheist, but they believe something about God, correct? And they have a God. If they don't believe that there is a supreme being that we call God, pardon me, then they have a God. Who is it? It's themselves. But everybody has one. Everybody has an ism. Everybody worships some being. It may be yourself. And for most people, that's who it is. But everybody has one. So it's important for us to understand as Christians, as believers, as Christ followers, as ones who believe, ones who believe that the, the word of God, the Bible, is God's manual for life. It's our daddy's love letter to us, written in 66 books by 40 different guys over 1,500 years, and yet it's internally consistent, scientifically accurate, where it speaks to science prophetically true and historically accurate. Stuff they wrote hundreds of years before it happened, they got it down to the minutest detail. That's who our daddy is. And so if for no other reason than the fact my daddy is the only daddy in the universe that exists, I'd like to find out more about him. We'll talk about that a lot over the next two weeks. I'm the Lord, there is no other. I am the Lord your God. You'll have no other gods before me. He told the children of Israel when he's bringing had set them free from bondage in Egypt. He's taking them to the promised land, and pictured in all of that is salvation. He set them free, justification, you're born again. He's taking them to the promised land. One day you'll go to heaven, glorification, justification, glorification. And in between, they had to go through the wilderness, sanctification, where they had to trust God. They had to lean on God. That's you and I living out our lives on a daily basis as Christians. We have been saved at some point in the past. We will be saved at some point. We will die and go home. And in between... Whatever number of years it might be, or in some cases it might be weeks, it might be months, it might be days, whatever it might be, in between we live. I've shared this a bunch of you over the last few weeks. In April this year, it will be 50 years since I trusted Christ and became a Christian. 50 years. God's been carrying me as his boy for 50 years. I don't know how much longer that will be, but I do know that it's at least, if I make April 19th, it will be 50 years. And whatever time God gives me on the planet, and that's why this is important, I want to find out not only who my daddy is, we'll talk about that as we go through, but what is it he wants me to do? Why? Because he'll only do perfect things. I want to get in on it. I want to be what he wants me to be so that my life will mean something, will be of value, will be significant. I'll have a legacy that matters, that I impacted lives for the cause of Christ. And it's not a numerical thing where you add up the number of lives. It's just when you had the opportunity, you took advantage of it with your children, with others in your family, people that you work with, people maybe that you, you coach with, you play ball with, you, hang, you work out with, you vacate, whatever it might be. Human beings are relational entities and beings. And what God says is take advantage of the relationships to brag on your daddy. That who he is and what he has done and what he is doing, what he will do. I am the Lord your God. I will not settle for you having other gods. 
And the primary reason he will not settle for it is that there aren't any other gods. He alone is it. It's in Romans 8 there on your handout. You received the spirit of adoption. God adopted us into his family. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. J.I. Packer, great theologian, a lot of really incredible books, said this years ago about why should we study who our God is. He said this, quote, Why need anyone take time off today for the kind of study you propose? He was talking to his people. Surely a layman, or at any rate, can get on without it. After all, this is 1972, not 1855. A fair question, but there is, I think, a convincing answer to it. The questioner clearly assumes that a study of the nature and character of God will be unpractical and irrelevant for life. In fact, however, it's the most practical project anyone can engage in. Knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives. Disregard the study of God, and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded. As it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul, end quote. There's a lot in that long quote. But here's the bottom line. God created man in his image, Adam and Eve, humanity. He did did not create anything else in his image, nothing. He owns the universe and he says to us, you're the most important thing in it. You're the only thing that I've created in my image. You're the only thing that can know me on a relational level. I want to be your father. I want you to understand the intimacy of what it means that I'm your daddy, that I've adopted you into my family, and that intimacy of a father-child relationship. I want you to experience that. Bob Deffenbaugh, a pastor that I read a lot, put it this way, quote, the way to see God is to come to know him through a study of his character as revealed in the scriptures, end quote. Everybody, every human being, again, even those who don't believe in God, they said, if there's a God, I'd like to see him. We all want him to show up over here in the corner and just start talking to us. Or maybe in your room. Might terrify you if he showed up in your room. But you want God. We want to see God. And the Bible, that's why the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. But we see the evidence of it. We feel the impact in our own personal lives. And my goal for you in understanding as we walk through this series, there's a number of those goals. But the reason that Bible study is such a passion for me is I know on a personal, experiential level what it has done for Randy Lockley, how it has transformed my life. Friday, I was sharing with my class this morning, Friday, I was supposed to meet BG at 5.30 at the, the venue for the wedding to, to go. Obviously, that didn't happen, but I, we were supposed to. At 10 to 5, and I sat down at my desk. I was just going to study some stuff for a sermon, go over it for this week, next week. I was just going through some stuff in Scripture. Sat down about noon to do that in my office at home. At 10 to 5, Mary walked in and said, I thought you had to be somewhere at 5.30. I totally lost all track of time. 
I love doing that. Not losing track of time. But just sitting down, opening the Bible, starting to study it, and God, stuff that I've read many, many times, like what we're about to read, and taught, preached on, memorized. And God will teach me something new. Why? Because I'm not the same person I was the last time I read it. It's the living word from your daddy who knows what about you. We'll get to this attribute within a year or two. We'll get to this attribute. What does God know about you? I want you to say it one more time. What is everything? That could be a good or that could be a bad. But from his point of view, he only wants to do good in your life. Perfect gifts, perfect opportunities. And what he wants from me then is to say, all right, Dad, what am I doing wrong? How did I get off the track? Where am I off? What do I need to do to fix it to get back on the rails, doing what you want Randy to do in a way that glorifies you? The chief end of man is to glorify God. The primary way that you, me, or any Christian can find out what your daddy wants for you to do is to be a student of the word of God. By the way, you don't have to go to seminary to do that. You know how I know? Because I didn't go. And if I can do it, that means what? You can too. Now, if that means that did God give me a Yes, he gave me the gift of teaching. I, I understand that. And not everybody has that specific gift. But don't you think, just logically for a moment, don't you think that your daddy would like you to understand what he has for you? You don't have to make it difficult. And as you probe, you start out on the surface, that's fine, and you begin to probe the depths. When you first learned how to swim, did you always just, were you a great swimmer? No, but you learned how to survive. My uncle, the way I learned how to survive, we were at the Tennessee River, Savannah, skiing, and he threw me in the river. And he said, you better swim. And I figured out how to get back to the boat. But I learned how to swim. And God says, I've saved you. I've given you my manual for life, the word of God. And I want you to learn it. And as we will see, he will not be satisfied with you just knowing it here. It's not good enough. Matter of fact, he's not even interested in that if that's all you got. What he's interested in is that you know it and it becomes who you are and it changes you. So that you can become everything he wants you to be. Why study who your daddy is? Because that's what life is all about. Look at John chapter 1. As we talk about goals and going through this series... One of the things I want to happen is I want you and me, as we walk through this together, to align your view of who God is, your daddy, with what the Bible says about your daddy. Not what someone has told you, somewhere where you've read. What does God say about himself in his word that maybe you didn't know or maybe you were wrong about? To align your view of your daddy with what he says about himself in his word. And for you to fall in love with him and then be motivated. You get the correct view 
you fall in love with that view, and then you're motivated to go tell other people who your daddy is. Because he wants to be their daddy too. He loves them. For God so loved the world that he gave in so many ways. So he reveals himself in his word. Look at John 1, verse 14. You know the verse well. The word, the eternal logos of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The incarnate word, God with us, Christ, Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel. Full, notice the little phrase at the end of verse 14, full of grace and truth. Now verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. We quoted that earlier. Please notice the last part of verse 18 is really what I want to focus on for this moment. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, we know that to be the Word, the eternal Word, Jesus, the Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Declared him. Here's the idea. The word declared in the original language means manifested or made evident. So, I want to know who God is. Everybody does. If there is a God, I'd like to meet him. And if I do believe in God, I'd like to know who he is. One of the primary ways you understand that, the initial way you understand it, is you enter into a relationship with that God through the manifestation of that God, the person Jesus of Nazareth, also known as the Christ, who willingly came, died, that we might be born again, to enter into a family, adopted into the family of God, not as one religious choice over another, but as becoming part of a family. One of the things that was so touching about BG's wedding Friday night is we get to the end of the wedding, and normally at the end of a wedding you have music and they go out. Well, I'd pronounced them husband and wife, and I'd, you know, I'd introduced them, Mr. and Mrs. Jerry Turner. And so then I turned to the band that's over here, and I said, do we have any music for them to go out on? I was going to do flips down the aisle, and you know, it would be really cool. And then BG said, no, no, we got some things to say. I said, okay, I guess I'm done. So I just stepped out of the way. And then they proceeded to introduce their family to their friends. That's cool, isn't it? I think that's the way you ought to end every wedding, for me to shut up and, and then just people, other people introduce their family. As a Christian, God reaches down, adopts you into his family, and then he says, now I want you to go introduce all your friends to your daddy that you love. Not the man upstairs. Not the force. Not some entity. Not karma. The God who spoke the universe into existence created you and said, this is very good. Let us make man in our image. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So here in John 1.18, what's being said is, God manifested or made himself evident to the world in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, get to know him. And by so doing, you can get to know me. Now, I've got a challenge for you. I want you to find the book of Hosea in your Bible. 
It's an actual book. It's not like Hezekiah. It's an actual book. In your Bible, if you've got to look it up in the table of contents, look it up. Nothing wrong with that. I put a piece of paper in my Bible so I could find it. The book of Hosea. Number one on your handout. All that, we're just now getting to number one. We're in trouble. Relax. In case you've never been here, I won't finish this outline today. Shock, I know, but it's the way it is. All right. So your daddy, I want you to fall in love with him. I want you to begin to align your view of him and what scripture says about him. Fall in love with him and then brag on him in a loving, compassionate way. Talk to people. Ask them, who's your daddy? Who is it that you think, God, where did you come from? Do you really believe in evolution? Talk to them. Find out where they are and then introduce them to your daddy who created them, who loves them, who sent his son to die for them so they can know him, have peace and hope and joy and love, eternal life, all the things you have. It's something really cool to talk about. Who's your daddy? So you get to the book of Hosea and you see number one on your handout. What is my daddy? Why study who my daddy is? Because he wants me to. He wants me, you, and so many people that Jesus died. He died for the world. He hasn't come back yet because he's still adopting people and saving them and bringing them into the family. And we get to be part of telling them that good news. God has a great plan for each of us as an individual, for the church as a whole, and for people you don't even know yet. Just as a quick example, and then we'll get into Hosea. When we were studying the book of Acts together, that two-year period of time, as we were studying Acts, the only standing ovation we ever got is when I said, this is the last sermon in Acts. I don't want to As we were studying the book of Acts, Saul of Tarsus got saved on the road to Damascus. And then he shows up at the church and says, I'd like to join in. And what was their response? <laughs> That's funny, dude. They were terrified because what was Saul of Tarsus to them? He was the enemy. But what was he to God at that point? He was his boy that he'd saved. And he had a job for him to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to write a third of the New Testament. Church didn't know that at that point. Thank God for a young man named Barnabas, son of encouragement. He said, I'll vouch for him. You don't know who's out there that Jesus is waiting to save, and maybe you could be part of that just by planting a seed, loving someone, sharing a little bit, being there for them. Talk about your daddy. So you get to the book of Hosea. God has a desire for us. He's got a desire for us. And that desire is he wants us to know him. Not know things about him. And those are good. You learn facts, you study the word, you learn Learn facts, but knowing on an intimate, experiential level. For example, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Never, never go to bed? Oh, your lips are always moving? Of course not. It's an attitude, a mindset that I'm in communication with my daddy. Pray without ceasing. Do, he wrote, Paul also wrote, do all that you do as unto the Lord. He also wrote, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. In Micah, you don't have to turn there, Micah chapter 6, that prophet said these words. 
He has shown you, O man, what is good. God has. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God or your daddy? God has things he wants from us. And it's not keeping a set of rules and regulations and living up to some religious format that somebody's come up with. It's understanding who your daddy is, understanding what it means to be a child of God, and then go out there and live righteously, show mercy, be kind, be like Christ, share who he is and how they can know who God is. So God has a desire for us. In Hosea chapter 6, turn there if you haven't already, God wants us to pursue him. He's pursuing us and he wants us to pursue him. Pursue knowing him. This was written about 750 years before Jesus Christ. The theme of Hosea is a fascinating book. We're not studying the whole book, just a little bit of chapter 6. It's a fascinating prophecy in that the theme of it is spiritual adultery, yet unconditional love. Look at verse 3 of chapter 6. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. He's saying, listen, I've already told you I'm here. He's certain to be there. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain. I want you to think about this for just a moment, these metaphors that he's using. Look at verse 3 again. He wants us to know him. He wants us to pursue the knowledge of him. Why? His going forth is established as the morning. Stop there, that metaphor, for just a moment. You know what he's saying to you? And I get up every morning before sunrise. I don't have an option. My body says, you're getting up. So I get up every morning before sunrise, and I'm I'm, making coffee, and I'm, I'm taking medicine and getting ready for the day. And I'll watch outside my house, turning from dark, to what? Light. Every day. That's exactly what God is saying here. Just as certain as tomorrow morning, Randy's going to wake up and he's going to go open the blinds and it's going to begin to lighten. The sun's going to rise. You're going to go from darkness to light. You're going to get up. And you're going to have another day. Just as certain as that's going to happen, I am here. I am there. And I will always be there. Just as certain as tomorrow is the morning. Your God, your daddy wants you to know I am here. I am there. And I am in whatever you're facing. I'm right in the middle of it with you. I want you to pursue me. I want you to get to know me. But then notice what he says. He'll come to us like the rain. And the idea here is this. Talks about former rain, latter rain. And the idea is this. Particularly in the culture in which they live. How important was rain to them? Without it, they couldn't live. We need water. But they they had to plant and pray for rain. The former rain... So it would grow. And then the latter rain, so they'd have a good harvest. That it would matter. 
You know what he's saying to us metaphorically? Not only am I going to be there tomorrow morning when you wake up, and not only am I going to be there the next day, and the next day, and the next day, until it's all said and done, I'm going to carry you to the end. I'm going to be there. But I'm also going to do something in your life. I'm going to give you the rain that you need to bear fruit. What did Jesus say? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. If you're born again, I don't care how old you are, God is pruning you, watering you, cultivating you to be a fruit-bearing branch. Turn to Isaiah 55. We're going to come back to Hosea, so don't lose it. Just flip back for a moment to the big book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8. 55, 8. God wants us to pursue him. He wants us to understand he's going to be there. He wants us to understand I'm going to bear fruit. I want to use you. I want to bear fruit through you. 55.8 of Isaiah, this great prophet said, passage you're familiar with. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven do not, and, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God wants us to understand I want you to know me. I want you to grow in that knowledge. I want you to pursue me and watch what I will do in your life. I will make you fruitful. I will use you. It may be something, by the way, fruit does not mean that you can count how many people you witness to and notches on your Bible. I probably told you this story before. We used to have a, a, a student pastor named J.J. Jones, and I love J.J. He was one of the special people God brings into your life. And I probably told you the story before, but it's so darn funny I'm telling it again. J.J. went to a seminary, local seminary, and it was very rigid in how you did things. Well, while you were a seminary student, you were required to make a certain number of, they call, like, I used to be in sales, and they, you had to make cold calls, and they had to make a certain number of cold, they didn't call them cold calls, but they called them cold. You had to go up to total strangers and talk to them about Jesus, and then come back. You had to say, how many did you talk to this week? So J.J. was in a McDonald's, and he, there's a guy sitting in the booth. And J.J. goes over to him and says, said, do you know Jesus? And the guy, without, without breaking a, a moment, he looks at J.J. and says, no, Jesus, I am Jesus. <laughs> I think that made J.J.'s week on the cold calls. Here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to love people. Relationally, get to know them. Find out where they are. You pursue knowing your dad and that knowledge, and as you grow in your relationship with your daddy, you can't help but talk about him. We joked about this before, but if you're a grandparent in the room, there's a few of us in here, you know parents will do it, but as grandparents, what's the one thing you will talk about until people's ears fall off? Your grandchildren. 
Why? I don't understand why the rest of you talk about yours. I do know why I talk about my five. Because they're the coolest ones on planet Earth. They got me as a grandfather. I love talking about my grandkids. And so do you if you've got them. It's just naturally cool for you. You want to do it. Shouldn't we be that way about our God? I think I am. But there are times when I should speak up that I don't. I know you're there too. Whether it's peer pressure or you feel inadequate. And by the way, that's just Satan. If you think you're inadequate, join the club. We're all inadequate. Just tell them how much you love your daddy. Like if I were to ask Ella how much you love your granny, she, what, two words, two or three? She come up with a couple of words. You're going to, people that you love, you're going to talk about. And that's what God wants us to understand, his desire. Look at verse 6, back in Hosea. Look at verse 6. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. God's desire, number one, he wants us to grow in our knowledge of him. But secondly, he wants us to be faithful to him, loyal to him. I want you to notice verse 6 again. I desire mercy or loving kindness and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Here's his point. Who had told them to make sacrifices? God did. Who had told them to bring burnt offerings? God did. So why is he saying to them now, wait a minute, I'm not interested in that. And here's why. Notice the last thing he says in verse 6. I desire it more. What I want is for you to be a person who knows me, loves me, and is showing grace to others because you've had grace shown to you, and you're not going through the motions of just bringing me a rote sacrifice of religion. I want you. This, by the way, this theme, you see, it runs throughout the Old Testament because the children of Israel never got it. They were worshiping the building instead of the God who had them build it, the temple. They were worshiping a sacrificial system instead of the God who gave it to them so they would understand loving him, trusting him, obeying him. What he wants is you to know him and faithfully obey him because you want to, not because you're trying to do your religious duty or get something. You do it because you want to. I want your sacrifice and your offerings from a heart of knowledge, and loyalty. Why? Because you want to. Not because somebody made you. But because you want to. Turn to Jeremiah. The great prophet Jeremiah. Just back a few books. Chapter 9. Chapter 9. Verse 23, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, 
Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. We're going to get into this in detail next week, but here's what I want you to notice. The middle of verse 24. Let him glories, let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That's what God wants. He wants to be what's important to you. And that's what glorify means, a correct estimate of what something's worth to you. He says, I want the thing that's of great value to you to be knowing me understanding me, wanting to be what I want you to be. The chief end of man is to glorify God. Everybody has a mindset about God. And God says, I want you to understand this. We spend all our time focusing on the things, and you have to do life, which includes you have to work, God provides wealth for you to work. Then he says, it becomes our God. We get off track. We forget what's really important. God says, what I want is for you to pursue me. Know me. And when you know me, go brag on me. Because I promise you, God says, your world needs me. How many gods are there? We've, if we've not learned anything else in the last month, what have we learned? How many gods are there? There's only one. And who is it? It's your daddy. It's your daddy. And you really want people to know who your daddy is. Why? Because he'll give them everything they ever asked for or ever wanted. We're going to stop there today. and We're going to go into a time to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Would you bow your heads? We prepare to do that. Just bow your heads, just kind of calm your hearts before God. Father, we want to pause before you and as we get ready to share the Lord's Supper together, what that means to us as Christians. Lord, we just pray, starting with Randy, that each day I would be reminded as I look out and see the sun that that's you that put it there, my daddy. Think about that. My daddy put the sun there. My daddy provides the rain so we can live. My daddy puts planet, put planet Earth exactly the distance to the millimeter from the sun it needed to be so we could live. That's who my daddy is, that we would glorify in that. We'd be excited about that. I want to know more about my daddy. So I can share him with other people. You challenge us. And even as we share the Lord's Supper together. You challenge us. To remember. Jesus blood. Jesus body. To remember it. And then go proclaim his death. Till he comes back. Because that's what it's all about. I just pray you would convict. Where conviction is needed. And challenge all of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me share with you as we get ready to do the Lord's Supper. 
You do not have to be a member of Christ Church. This may be the first time you've ever come through the doors. If you're a Christian, you're welcome. This is not our table, it's Jesus. So what we're going to do is I'm going to give the elements to the guys. They're going to pass amongst you. You share it with your neighbor. And then as the worship team leads us, you spend that time just talking to your daddy. By the way, he already knows. Just talk to him. Tell him how much you love him and you appreciate him. And maybe, maybe there's some things that he wants you to change. Talk to him about it. If there's things you need to confess, confess it. He already knows. He loves you. He's your father. So again, if you, you're welcome. If you're a Christian, please celebrate the Lord's Supper with us.